Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sancta Discovery. <laughs> uh, it's my meek try at humor at this point. But hey, welcome to another episode of Sanctimonious. I have one half of the Call of Discovery podcast on the podcast today. Hello, hello yes, Zach. I'm the disappointing half, Zach Armstrong. Unfortunately, I, I do not have a British accent, um, and faking one might jeopardize my relationship with Ed, points. so... <laughs> Uh, fair enough, fair enough. All right, uh, so you may have noticed there's been a distinct lack of Sanctimonious podcast recently, and uh, currently just due to life, due to COVID, due to a lot of other extenuating circumstances, Sanctimonious as a podcast is definitely a bit on hiatus right now. Um, Zach came out to me and he's like, we need a skill tester episode, and I was like, man, you put the show notes together, I will record that with you. So thank Zach for this episode of Sanctimonious. He is the driving force behind it. But yeah, until life kind of slows down, gets back to normal, um, probably just expect Sanctimonious as the podcast to be a bit on hiatus, but I'm still fairly active in the Discord as well as the Discord just itself is fairly active. So if you're missing the Sanctimonious content, I mean, most of that content was derived from the discord anyways so come join the discord and get your sanctimonious fix there but yeah that's just kind of a little announcement on that um things still are weird and crazy so we're just going to get right into the meat of this topic and that is mass mutation skill testing cards let's go so what what are our parameters here since sure. we made the list sure exactly. so just to to be uh, a bit more efficient with our list. We want to focus on cards mostly only present in Mass Mutation. I think uh, there is at least one exception, though, uh, just to focus on cards new to Mass Mutation. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, if we do if we do dip back into an older set, it's going to be a card that has new life in this set. I'm talking more than, you know, Infernus, because Infernus is still doing Infernus things. It's a skill testing card, but not unique to Mass Mutation in the way that it's skill testing, certainly. Excellent. All right. Let's get it started then. Um, first card. The got? first card uh, submitted by Mod Extraordinary Lady Caffeina is Eaton's Jar, which it, it feels like the weird Crucible version of Ethan. I always think it's Ethan before I reread the card, but uh, <laughs> Eaton's Jar. Uh, yes. So what does this card do? Uh, this is the artifact that uh, when you play it, you name a card, and on both sides of the table, you and your opponent, no one can play cards uh, named the same name that you put down. So, you you know, you could name the aforementioned Infernus, you could name Eclectic Inquiry, you can, uh, I mean, heck, you could name literally any card you want, but it just stops those cards from being played until Eaton Jar leaves play. Uh, yes, super, super good artifact. Static effect just immediately happens when it's played. That's always nice. It's always nice when you don't have to play something and then action it later to name a card. I'm looking at you, Anomalies. Um, <laughs> what was that? The I don't even remember the name of the card anymore, but you all know what I'm talking about. But yeah, so Eden's Jar, what is skill testing about this? What, what in your mind, Zach, makes this skill testing? So what I was looking for when I started this list, at least um, ones I was including from the submissions on Discord and then adding just two or three 
of my own. It's a card that presents a choice when you play it. It could be pick a creature in play. It could be an upgrade that you decide where to put it. But Eaton's Jar, by its nature of what it asks you, it asks you to name a card. So it's going to skill test on a bunch of levels. One, you have to reliably remember something in your opponent's deck list that in you know organized play you only looked at for two minutes beforehand. And then two, you actually have to weigh... Uh, should I just pick a card they have a lot of so they can't play that card? Uh, or do I pick a card that is a lower number that might have a higher impact uh, on on the game state? So you want to pick the card, of course, that's going to slow your opponent down, um, stop them from you know asking your deck any hard questions that you can't answer. Um, and so it takes a lot to know exactly what the right card is there. And you also have to be careful because uh, it applies to you too. Right, definitely, and I guess that's not even something I even realized. I guess I don't have a solid Eden's Jar deck that I've really played with, but I definitely have played against the card, and it's super interesting. I mean, when you're actually playing the card yourself, it's really trying to, yeah, like you said, pinpoint the crux of what the other deck's going to hurt you, how it's going to hurt you. And then if they have artifact control, like, like you almost have to use it like a control of the week a little bit where you maybe you wait until their artifact control comes out first or you just have to play it at the time when you want them not to be able to name that card on the next turn. So it's yeah, it's a super interesting card, super interesting effect, especially being in house dis house disruption is what it should be known <laughs> as. Um but yeah, Eaton Jar, I like it. Next card we have is the gigantic. Oh, yeah, I was oh, gonna toss sorry. it to you. A whole, we have a whole category, don't we? Yeah, so we've got gigantic creatures, and so we won't really go through all the gigantic creatures. You know, there's the three, the three big dudes: the robot, the dino, and King Kong. Um, so yeah, I guess the, the I haven't played with these enough. I've played with a few of these decks thanks to generous donations. Well, donations, generous link sharing via TCO. I've gotten to play with some of these creatures, but probably not enough to really, um, yeah, really wrap my head around them. But I don't know. I guess in my short, limited experience with them, I've had pretty good luck with landing them. Like the Logos guy is usually pretty easy because usually you have some kind of um, archiving involves that you can archive one half or, you know, yeah. Oh, this, sorry, this is also from Ugluck. So thank you, Ugluck. Um, but yeah, the skill testing part is like, how badly does your deck need that effect that the gigantic creature is going to need or going to bring? Like, do you hold a half of the card or do you discard it? Um, depends on when you receive your, it's coming. Cause that's also nice. You almost have three pieces to get the two pieces. So yeah. Zach, your thoughts? Yeah. I think the, the biggest question they ask, like you, like you mentioned is, uh, how much do you prioritize getting them out? Do you pitch the first part of it you see because you know you're going to get the it's coming later if you don't have the it's coming already? And um, of course, we can't get into each one. I feel like you could do an episode on each one almost. But uh, each of them do take some skill to pilot most effectively too. Um, Deocellus might be the simplest just because you probably want to get rid of that amber or take it off. Um, but then... Uh, 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 Mega, oh gosh, Ultra Graviton. That's right. Ultra Graviton and Niffle Kong both have you know choices to make with purging creatures or you know destroying a Niffle creature. Um, so they they take a lot they take a lot to work, but they have some pretty sweet effects. But uh, tough to use well. Tough to use well. 
Yeah, and you just don't want to chain yourself with something that's not really going to be that high impact either, or just, you know, just chaining yourself with that card is not going to be the best. So hopefully you have other ways of maybe pulling it back, such as, you know, there's some untamed varieties. The uh, head <laughs> is completely frazzled today. I've been doing a lot of stuff. Uh, the untamed card that returns a mutant. If you return a mutant, you return another card. Stuff like that can really help with pulling that, pulling those creatures out. You've got the uh, this one, the archives one card from the graveyard, along with Grim Reminder, which can pull back an entire thing. So I mean, there's some different ways to get them out more effectively without having to chain yourself. So if your deck look, it has those tools, then you're then you're in luck. All right. This next card has caused more headaches and more, um, how is it? Oh my gosh. Tables? Yeah. Uh, so this one first mentioned, uh, first mentioned by, uh, Lady Caffeina, but a bunch of people brought it up. Um, and all I wrote in the notes here is you need to be a genius to play Curiosaurus correctly. So for the uninitiated first, uh, you are blessed to not have seen this card yet. Uh, second, it reads, it's an artifact, it's a location, and it says each creature with amber on it gains, destroyed, move one amber from this creature to the most powerful enemy creature. This uh, The only reason this works the way it does is because of the destroyed ruling that once a creature is tagged for destruction, they can't have destroyed abilities added. Um and if you have a lot of amber on the board, there are a lot of creatures with this destroyed ability that you're gonna get have to pick the exact uh, the exact order of which they need to trigger for it to be most advantageous to you. So I, I think you know there is a pattern to it eventually that you can learn. There is a tactic to it, but it takes a lot of practice. Yeah, and I mean this is um, mass mutations kind of dino allow your dinos to exult without as much of a drawback as long as your um, opponent has a creature on board you know that if there's one exalted amber on that dino it's going to land on their creature i mean the really um, brainy plays you can make as the opponent sitting across from this is to clear your board first so you have no creatures on board and then play some kind of mass destruction if you can set that up so that way all that amber just comes straight to you that's a it's pretty pretty good win for yourself. Otherwise, yeah, um, yeah, it, it becomes a headache for both players. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's it's it goes both ways. So, it's just it's a real thinker once it's out there on combat math as you're fighting with creatures with captured mm -hmm. amber on them, just making sure that you know it's going to work out the way you want yeah. it to work out. And I wonder if this would be a primo card. Uh, for adaptive, right? If you bring this to adaptive, uh, if a person isn't good with Curiosaurus, maybe even watching you for a match won't catch them, much as, catch them up as much as they need to be to actually use this card effectively. Uh, that might be a good place for it. Potentially. I mean, the fact that it's two-sided, though, I mean, means that it's working on both sides. But yeah, I mean, it could work in your favor since you're used to dealing with it. You just you could get the reps with and right. your deck to know how and, to and make sure the math is it. is in your is in your favor there certainly. <laughs> make the odds <laughs> in your favor. No, and it's just it's it's such an interesting card right now too with all the capture and capture pips flying around. It it definitely comes into play. Font of the eyes, all that good stuff. Font of the eyes. Oh man, Curiosaurus with font of the eye. Let's go. 
All right. You ready? Let's let's card? F it. Let's F it, Dan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good old effervescent principle. The Coda callback. Um, Grish Hammer, a.k.a. Nate, my Rocket League buddy. What's up, Nate? Um, he proposed this one as a skill tester as it occupies a lonely spot for the only major big amber control in Mass Mutation. So it's a much more important card than it has ever been before because Mass Mutation, while it has a lot of capture, some ways to increase key costs, there's not really the, I've got a pile of amber, what are you going to do about it cards. So that kind of brings Effervescent Principle kind of to the forefront. Uh, definitely great card, especially with things like Lethologica. Um, you can cycle back to it really quickly. I've got, I think, one deck with like three Lethologicas and a single Effervescent Principle, but that Effervescent Principle gets played a couple times a game pretty easily with the three Lethologicas just cycling through the deck really fast and then finding it on those turns you need it. So definitely a very nice card what say you that yeah i think i think timing or holding and especially in a mass mutation versus mass mutation matchup is the big question you know the card asks like can you do that well because it's it's even different than a uh doorstep to heaven or a too much to protect in that it's it's just going to be amber loss and it's it's two-sided but in like a less comfortable way than even doorstep is right like you just want to hit them when they're up huge and you're at five or less uh but with this no matter what amber you have the only way you're gonna cut theirs in half is is by is by playing it so yeah because uh, even then the, the answer to effervescent principle if you know the other person has it is just go as high as possible if you get to 12 amber you can probably still forge so definitely a, a tricky card to use it's a it's a situation where in the set uh in the set because there's not other control this card becomes super important even though it's probably not as good as those other cards we named it becomes super important because it's the only one that you're going to see in a mass mutation deck indeed all right that brings up our next card as featured on other podcasts um Mm, i think so one star peeps we have auto encoder the logos artifact that says uh, i believe during your turn or no at any point uh Yeah, I'll just doing that. Oh, not auto legionary. Auto encoder artifact. After a card is discarded from your hand, archive the top deck or the top card of your deck. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Another static artifact works the moment you place it down on the table, which is super nice. Not every artifact has that ability, and it pretty much says you got crap in your hands. You can turn it into archived yeah. cards. Or if you just have a bad house and you just want to archive <laughs> your other houses, go for it. Mm-hmm. So it, no, it's it, yeah, it's the skill test here is just whether or not a card is worth playing or discarding for a exactly. blind archive. Like if you have if you have ways of knowing what's on top of your deck, yeah, you can cut that out a little bit. But there's less ways. Let's see. I don't know if Ollie's still around in this set. Um, that's like the only one I can really think of where you'd have turn over turn knowledge, but even then it would be hard. Sent- well, I guess it wouldn't be because it's static. Awesome. So yeah, if you have a navigator ollie or some way to like order the top three cards of your deck, which there's a few different things, but not a lot. Um, you're you're essentially throwing a card away for a potential card or a potential larger hand size the next turn. 
Yeah. Yeah. I agree that that's the, that's the, op, that's the, the good choice it gives you that you can turn any card in your hand into a random archived card, which is uh, sometimes worth it just to get card advantage. Um, but yeah, maybe your card is better off getting played. Yeah, definitely. Or if you're digging for answers, there's definitely been those times where we're digging for those want that miasma. Like it's not a miasma in the set. Never mind. Miasma bomb. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just some some way, some card, some answer, bring low. There you go. There's a good card to bring somebody off check real quick. Or you're just digging for that last answer and you're down to like five cards in deck, but you're only able to like get rid of three cards out of your hand. I mean, there's the situation where you could just discard all three in order to ensure that you see the last five cards of your deck. Just plays like that are kind of what it's there for, and just to cycle through your deck quicker. And like I said, also just to create those turns where maybe you play six cards from one house in a turn. That is always a lot of fun. I really enjoy that as a Jenka aficionado. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. And of course, it's got all of those... <laughs> Uh, synergies with plenty of of creatures in house logos, but those aren't as skill testing because those are just uh, nice synergies that let you use it automatically, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, and there's definitely cards too. It also protects like anybody that's discarding cards from your hand with different effects. Also, it just kind of it's kind of a nice insurance that even though you're down that card out of your hand, you actually made that card up by an archived card. So that's been kind of nice as well. Yeah, certainly, certainly. And then our next one is our first card from House Untamed. What is a, it's an action card? What's our next card here, Dan? Hey, there's a grunt there. <laughs> I have this card in a deck, and I tried it. Like I was like, yeah, this seems really cool, and I just don't think my deck's the right deck for it. I don't know. Um, but Amberlution is an Omega, so very end of your step, last thing you do. Uh, play destroy each creature that's nice i like that you know unlocked gateway all right uh then the next sentence says each player reveals their hand all right free information yep. you get to see everything like it so far hand. that's good i like that i like that it's at the end of my turn so my hand's probably pretty empty hopefully and puts each creature from their hand into play ready what um I mean, this card's scary <laughs> like um You've got to have good creatures, because your your opponent gets to take advantage of this first, because they're just going to have ready creatures out that they can then call on the next turn. So I mean, you really have to know that your opponent either is like a handful of actions, or I mean, maybe is mimicry still around? Is mimicry still a thing? Can we mimicry them? Like, <laughs> can we mimicry um, just something to see their hand? To, mm ensure that we're not just setting ourselves up for mm -hmm. failure here because i don't know it always felt like a fail like i never got it i had some times where i thought i had good creatures out but man your opponent getting that first turn to use their readied creatures and to use creatures that you know i mean you're getting around play effects which is nice so if you know your opponent's decks has a bunch of play effects that you don't want to run into say like an infernus like say they i guess grim reminder doesn't work because it's in their archives there's just, I mean, there's ways you can use it to get rid of play effects so they don't get play effects, but still, it's still giving them the advantage of being able to use those creatures that very next turn. So if they have any good reap or fight effects, they don't have to wait a turn where you get a turn to have a chance to respond to it. So definitely a skill tester on 
whether or not sure. you should play. And I think I think it's a it's kind of a level beyond something like Mark of Dis or Control the Week, where you have to predict what's in their hand, not just to the point of what houses are in their hand, but like, am I going to come out ahead on board? Like you said, like, cause that's really the only time it's worth it. Either skipping play effects or coming out ahead. It's uh, uh, I've seen it played as a player one turn one card before. And it's just hilarious. It's just absolutely hilarious. <laughs> and that's, I, that'd be one way to do it. I mean, like the other thing, I mean, if you do have a way to like build up a big hand, so say you're holding like 12 cards or something and like seven of them are creatures, then yeah, you're probably coming out ahead there. But if you're just playing like a normal turn, you've got six cards in hand. I mean, at most you have maybe three or four Mm, creatures from other houses. Like the effect at a normal hand size, is just for the risk involved, I I stopped playing that card in that <laughs> Sure, that, that makes sense. And I, I think it's skill testing, but it may not... Uh, I haven't seen anyone use it in a way that I would call highly competitive yet, <laughs> even though it's skill testing, right? <laughs> I think it makes this list for that reason. But um, I've also just set a Dex of Keyforge notification for library card, auto-encoder, Amber Lucian Dex. So uh, to try, I'll try to break it here and I'll report back. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Get, them, get all three of them in a deck and... Yeah, I mean, that's the only way. You'd have to have a huge archive full of creatures. Like, if you just started archiving creatures because you knew this is in your deck, so if you have something like... I mean, lo- I mean, you're going to need Logos. Autoencoder is going to help. Memory Chip's going to help. Like, if you can just throw away a creature into archives every turn and then just all of a sudden have just a ginormous board at some point where you're going to have, like, seven or eight creatures out to your opponents, maybe, like, three, four tops, like... That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. As long as none of those creatures you're putting away have like insane play effects that you're going to miss right. not getting to play. Right. And yeah, like the like still the bad news about that is you did all that work and you still have to wait a turn. Like your opponent can still clear the board or take out the problem creature. Ugh. <laughs> Just, ugh. So a a, defini- a definitive grunt right. from from Dan on that one. Definitive grunt. <laughs> yeah. sounds cool everything lines up on it to be cool but it's just not that cool if it was like alpha and you're you actually got to use your cards right away like mm, that would be another sure thing. sure but you know, so <laughs> sad face all right next yeah one. speaking speaking pressing of on. sad faces and pressing on uh what's what's our next one from house shadows here the pincerator the pincerator so <laughs> artifact it causes people to squeak uh you do get a pip of anger for playing it which is nice and then it says at the end of each turn deal one damage to eat each flank creature at the end of each turn deal one damage to each flank creature uh so this just starts to eat at the battle line uh for as long as it's out red penny loves mm-hmm. this card she thinks Brabble. it's super rad Brabble, kill your own creature. Oh, at the end of each turn. Yeah. Oh, each so if turn, you play Brabble at the end of their awesome. turn, the Brabble will blow up, uh, having them lose three amber because it's on their turn. <laughs> oh, yikes. Yeah, I mean that. And then, like I said, it was just like Rad Penny. It's an easy way to get a Rad Penny back in your deck. Super, super easy. You just put it on the flank. It absorbs the one damage. Rad Penny gets shuffled back in. You're happy. Your opponent's sad because you can just keep looping those. And I mean, you can get to a point there if you have a couple of red pennies 
I think Blake actually does have a deck with Pinch Raider and at least two Rad Pennies, where if he gets to the bottom of his deck, he can just keep redrawing oh, man, Rad Pennies over fun. and over again that's if he fun. wants to. <laughs> that's so fun. I don't know how effective... I mean, Steel 2 every turn is pretty good if you have some other stuff out that you can actually do some stuff with. But yeah, so that's Pinch Raider. I mean, yeah, you just have to be really aware. Um, if you know your opponent's deck has it and you have a small-powered creature that you want to live, you just got to be aware that that could drop down and do a point of damage. So probably keep those towards the middle of your battle line. Try not to put them on the edges so they're easily sniped. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, as the player of it, yeah, hopefully you have some of those effects that are just really making you happy and excited mm -hmm. to have that out there. Yeah, that, that skill testing comes from how you manage your battle line after after it gets dropped because it's every turn. That's the other thing that's easy to forget because things like Fangtooth Cavern and other things, um, uh, Forum of Giants, I think, are you know at a specific point on your turn, but this is every turn. So by the time it comes back around to you, that's a that's two damage total that's that's happened. So indeed. The pinch raider. All these static, static, two-sided <laughs> artifacts. I like them. All right, last and certainly not least. Oh, we, we have, uh, well, if you could get paid to answer rules questions, it would give Neil a full-time job. <laughs> we have the Logos Artifact Animator. It's an item. It says, action, move an artifact to a flank of its controller's battle line. Weird, all right. For the remainder of the turn, it is a creature with three power that belongs to the active house. It leaves the battle line when it's no longer a creature. That is completely wacky. Yeah, so this one's more like rules testing card. Um, <laughs> not so much skills testing. Yeah, we've seen all the different things, but I mean, you can do wacky stuff. So if your opponent has an artifact that you're not particularly fond of, you can make it a creature with three power for the turn and smack it off the board so it works as artifact removal against your opponent. Or even if you have an artifact you don't want to be around anymore, you can also do that. So say you have like a, uni well, I guess not universal key lock. That's a bad example. I don't think that's around in this set. Uh, Strange Gizmo, does that still exist? No, I don't know. Cards, there's so many cards. If you have an artifact that you just want to go away, you can make it go away this way, and that's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, other clever things to do is to set up uh, different amber capturing. So I think the card there is redacted to make you redacted a creature and then capture amber onto it to then force an earlier forge off of the redacted since it uses amber counters. Is that a thing or am I just... I believe uh, people can ask in the rules part of the Discord, but I believe that you can add Amber onto it, but the fourth Amber that triggers the Keyforge was ruled by FFG as that Amber has to come from the, the start of turn uh, Calling House logos. Yeah. Calling so I logos. think you could put yeah. the first three yeah, on silly. there from, from animating. Yep. So silly, silly things like that are just, you know, animating. I don't... Yeah. All these artifacts, I'm trying to think now if they're in the current set, like Safe Place or anything like that. Pocket Universe, just ways to stash mm -hmm. away your opponent's amber on something sure. that's harder to return. Or just any amber. Like, you put any amber on your artifact and it goes back to your battle line. Uh, amber off of an artifact, when it's an artifact, just goes back to the common pool. So any way that you have to send amber to an artifact and then make it back into an artifact again will effectively render that amber useless. 
unrecoverable. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true because that amber just goes back to the common pool if that artifact leaves. So definitely a good move there. But yeah, there's so yeah. many things you can do with this card. Um, so maybe creativity testing uh, on top of skill testing. There's just so <laughs> many things you can do you can do with it that just get very silly uh, or edge casey. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Like the fact that it hits your or opponent artifacts just makes those possibilities endless. So enjoy. Enjoy going up against an I really need to play an animator deck. If you are out there with an animator deck that is good, come to the Sanctimonious Discord and share the link with me so I can play with it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the list. It. Yep. We hit the end, right? Yeah, last one. we did. We did it. I asked for this to be a little more bite-sized because um, my work, I work in a uh, health plan. And as you can imagine, health plan works. Busy right time now. of year. This time is a bit more uh, just a busy year due to health conditions and pandemics and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, life's been a little bit crazy. But thank you, Zach, for doing the heavy lifting here, bringing this up, and oh, of course, more than more than happy to. It was a delight. It was a delight. Please check out Zach and Ed on Call of Discovery. They are not on hiatus, so they still have new stuff coming out. So please go listen to their podcast. Check them out. Um, you know, if you want to go back and listen to an amazing AOA deck, I think there's one guy <laughs> who did this amazing AOA deck on there. Yes, once upon a time, before in the dark days, before I was on. <laughs> true it's true but yeah thank you zach thank you everybody for your support through the god i don't know how long we've had this thing going we've been going for like a year and a half almost two years maybe this april but the hiatus is not exactly counting but we do appreciate everybody that's in the discord like i i always said from the very get-go like the podcast may die but the discord like the rock and the foundation that that is built on will keep going so Yes, please come check out the Discord. You can still chat with me. I'm still on there quite a bit. Jake's been popping in here and there on there as well. So just, you know, you can stay stay up to date with us and with everybody else in the community because, yeah, Sanctimony's community is a fantastic one. So thank you all for making it fantastic. All right. Perfect. That's all I got. I'm not going to nope, do an sounds good. voice today. I just, my, my mind is frazzled and... I just, I, I can't, I can't. I'm sorry, people. I can't. I just can't this time. Argons, you are dismissed. <laughs>